Hi, this is Jeff Kober, and we welcome you to a live Disney at Play podcast here at the Disneyland Resort, the happiest place on earth. And I am sitting right here at the Royal Street Veranda, just around the corner from Pirates of the Caribbean here at um, the Disneyland Park. We've actually spent the last... uh, Well, this is our fourth day in the park. We're heading back home tomorrow. Uh, This was a sort of surprise trip. I was supposed to be in New York this week helping my daughter move to her first home. But uh, that didn't didn't pan out because of the floods. The banks had stopped um, processing or finalizing uh, the, the closings. Uh, until further inspections were done of all homes uh, potentially impacted in the greater New York area. So so when I realized that I wasn't going to be going to New York and I had a fairly open week business-wise, I thought, wonder what it would cost to get me out to Disneyland. And sure enough, I found Delta tickets from Orlando to LAX for $205 a person. Uh, and then I found hotel rates that were just over $100 suites at the Marriott Suites. I'll probably talk a little bit more about that in a few minutes. Um, but the opportunity presented itself and I took hold of that opportunity. And now I'm here at uh, the Disneyland Resort and wanted to get a podcast out to you. Actually, there'll be several podcasts as a result of this visit to Disneyland. Uh, But I wanted to give you an overarching one to kind of, because I think there are going to be several. First of all, had the opportunity to visit the new um, Avengers campus. And there is a whole lot to talk about there. By and large, that was a very positive experience seeing that firsthand. Also, the both parks are decked out for Halloween and I've got to do I am overdue for doing a discussion about where's the best resort to go to for Halloween and I'll just give you a hint I think Disneyland's going to be the winner on this one even if you don't do the Halloween party there is so much being offered at uh at Disneyland but and then also I want to talk about Snow White's uh, uh Enchanted Wish Uh, The new uh, Snow White overdue to Snow White Scary Adventures. That I've got to work in somewhere. And then I just need to talk about all that's going on in the parks because there is so much. But I think I want to start this podcast with a discussion about um, and a focus more on the realities of traveling to this resort during this COVID time period where we're still trying to get things over. Technically, if I'm correct, and I haven't studied this, But California is actually stating uh, that it's doing very well in terms of fighting the virus overall. Um, That compares to some really um, crummy numbers that have been coming out of Florida. So um, it's hard for me to imagine that uh, you could be less impacted by COVID in California than in Florida. Know that I have been to the Walt Disney World Parks easily over a hundred times since they reopened uh, over a year ago and have not felt like it has impacted uh, or I felt like they have really done a superb job in treating 
uh, the situation with COVID. I think they're doing the same thing here, but their story is a little different. It's different, especially because the park has only been open for about four months now and a little bit more than that, perhaps. And so they've not had a chance to really um, shake this thing completely um, in terms of getting the operation back to where it needs to be. Notwithstanding, there's some really healthy crowds. As I look across uh, the promenade in front of the rivers of America right now, I see even canoes operating. On a, on a day like this, which is usually only a seasonal operation or a weekend operation. And right now it's actually uh, um, Thursday. So, so um, I have to tell you, um, I was a little overwhelmed by the idea of going, uh, getting on a plane. I am, I've mentioned this, my business has allowed me to travel extensively that's how I've been able to see the parks worldwide. Um, it has allowed me to have some really great client experiences. And as a result, I, over, over the last number of years, I've become a million miler with Delta. And yet, it has been over a year and a half since I have been on a plane uh, at all. So to me, I was surprised for somebody who's just, I mean... Flying is like the back of my hand. It's just so, um, so easily, it's just not even thought through. I just do it. it I just know the ins and outs of flying. And yet, I, I, I can appreciate people who have some man, uh, concern and anxiety about flying. I certainly have felt my share of that um, as I've kind of, uh, worked into uh, going on this trip. There was a little bit of that. Um, I have to say, Orlando, depending on the time of day, it can be like a ghost town in there and it can be overwhelmingly crowded. I would say that you should fly late in the day if you want to have lighter crowds by and large. Now, I did fly in the morning hours and I have to say TSA... Well, and I have TSA pre, but I took my daughter with me, and she does not. So we went through the standard process, and yet we got through it in less than in about five minutes. It went that quickly um, at the airport in Orlando. And that's good for any of you flying in and out of Orlando to know. Um, getting into Los Angeles, it was like, I was like stepping through... Um, a time warp because it just brought back all of the memories. I grew up going to Disneyland, but I have been doing business in and out of Disneyland. I did my college internship in Fullerton, and that's when I got my first annual pass to Disneyland. And I have continued visiting over the years. Some sometimes a, a gap of three. Or four, actually, the one gap in my whole life where I didn't go to Disneyland was when I was working for Disney. That was my biggest gap of time, uh, which is unfortunate because I had free tickets to Disneyland at that time. But, um, but other than that, I've been coming and going and it had been two years since I had been to Disneyland previously. I came out here for the, uh, what was it? The 
um, premiere of Star Wars Galaxy's Edge. You remember that Star Wars Galaxy's Edge with Millennium Falcon Smuggler's Run opened at Disneyland first in, I want to say it was May, early June, and then it opened late August, early September, kind of right in that period over at Walt Disney World. And then Rise opened four months later in December, the first week of December, first day of December, um, because I was there on the first day Rise opened and uh, at Walt Disney World, but then it didn't open until uh, late January, I want to say, at Disneyland. And that matters because we went into the COVID period and everything closed down in March. So they were barely open a month and a half at best when uh, this whole thing came uh, shuttering down. Um, but uh, so and then be, before that, it had been a year prior before I'd been. And then prior to that, I had been going more times to Disneyland in the year, even though then to Walt Disney World, even though I lived in Orlando, I was doing business for a full year in Los Angeles and was here, if nothing else, for dinner almost every night. So um, it, I had a, a big... And so I, I just, long and short of this, um, it's given me context to come back here uh, two years later to see Disneyland and to fly into... And the flight was, um, you know, other than the mask, it was... It was in a reasonable flight. Everything was, you know, doable. And you kind of got through it. I uh, got here. And so here's the deal. I planned this trip only a couple of days before I left for this trip. Saw the flights. Saw the hotels. Decided to take my daughter with me. And, uh, and we made that happen. And then the night before... I left, I realized, wait a minute here. We got a little problem because I haven't done anything to um, plan my travel to and from the airport to my hotel and then to and from Disneyland. And I got a little concerned. I thought, okay, I kind of started looking at shuttle opportunities. And I think I've taken shuttles here and not even done anything until I got to, you know, the airport. I literally walked out to the curb and found a shuttle and went. It seemed, it was that seamless before, but there were a couple of things bearing against me, one of which was most of these type of shuttle services have gone to a reservation system. You gotta plan in advance, and that's assuming they're operating that hour. And secondly, then you have to deal with everybody else in that shuttle. And are they wearing a mask? And you know, COVID, that's probably one of those places where you want to be a little more careful. Even though both of us are vaccinated, you want to be aware and sensitive to that situation. So given all of that, um, I made a last minute decision to get a rental car. And that was an expensive decision that probably has cost me the better part of $400 extra on this trip. In fact, I will have spent more, about as much on the car rental as I will on the hotel or on uh, the airline fare. So I'm plan that out and think that through how you want to do that. 
that plays into your decision of where to stay. Now, my last visit, I stayed at Disney's Paradise Pier Hotel. It's in walking distance. It's a further walking distance than Disneyland Hotel and Disney California Adventure. I've stayed in both of those, although I am overdue for staying at the Disneyland Hotel because I haven't really done that since I was a child. And, uh, and so um, we, I stayed in, during my business years doing a lot of work from Marriott Suites. And that is a good mile and a half from the Disneyland gates on Harbor Boulevard. It's a straight shoot down Harbor, but it's about the furthest hotel. One of the furthest hotels, there's a Wolf Lodge water park that's a little further away, but and it, it's, it, it's been a great hotel for me. It's great rooms. There's a suite kind of experience, so I could give my daughter one room and myself another, and I thought that would be ideal. I guess she doesn't like my snoring. Maybe that's the deal, but at any rate, thought this would be accommodating for her, but I didn't realize how impactful that would be on the travel. I kind of thought, okay, I'll just get this rental car, but by and large, we'll take a shuttle, and the shuttle is known as um, the Anaheim Resort Transit, which is called ART. And ART, you could always buy a ticket for the shuttle um, anytime at the front desk. And I've done this at other front desks, and then you get there at certain time periods. Usually they're every half hour that they are operating, and you get on that shuttle and you go. And it's been a very doable situation, you know, 10 minutes and you are, you know, at the front gate of, of the park. Well, I get there and they tell me that they no longer sell this shuttle ticket, that you have to go online to make the reservation and do it. And they gave me the, uh, the uh, QV code to go and do it. Well, I went and I can't tell you how long I spent trying to find where I make the reservation, how I made the reservation. And the guy said, yeah, they, they don't run during the afternoon. They kind of take a break. So I'm thinking, well, I wanted to come back to my hotel and take a break. So how am I going to accommodate for that? And just a whole number of really messy issues. I couldn't even figure out where to make the reservation. It was so messy. So I decided at the last minute, look, let's just get over the park. We'll just pay the $25 in parking at the Mickey and Friends parking lot, and we will um, take the tram over to Disneyland. And that's where things got really interesting. All right. Uh, well, I've moved at both time and places. Uh, I am now standing in the blue shadows of Batu. It is evening about nine o'clock and I'm here in Star Wars Galaxy's Edge and it's almost completely identical to the experience at Disney's Hollywood Studios. Right now, uh, I could I could almost feel like I'm right at Disney's Hollywood Studios. There are so many, the almost 98.5% completely the same as back there. However, it's given me a moment to just stop and uh, 
give a, and, and take my story a little bit further. I said that uh, we decided we would go park in Mickey and Friends and take the tram over to D- the Disneyland parks. Uh, we were going to spend the first day at Disney California Adventure. Only to find, well, first of all, they parked us in Mickey and Friends. You go down the long uh, escalators. They circle you around over to the Pixar area where they've redone that now that it's been completely finished out. It's very nice. They've got security there, very together, very professional, um, except not as up-to-date as Walt Disney World. I'll talk about that a little later. You get through security only to realize there's no tram. And so now you are circling back around from Mickey and Friends all the way to the entrance of the park because there is no tram available. Now, I knew early on when they were doing this food festival thing before the parks opened, they were expecting guests to to walk the distance. I did not know that that was still happening and I was totally blown away. More painful was not walking there. It was walking back at the end of the evening when you were completely exhausted by it and you're just over it. And I'm telling you, it is over a mile easily walking from the park, wherever you may have been. You may have been in the back of the park all the way to downtown Disney and then all the way down the tram lane back to your car. It was unbelievable and all the complaints I make about I mean my wife and I just roll our eyes when we're parked on the on one end of Animal Kingdom uh, Disney's Animal Kingdom parking lot because you know they want to make it look really good that you spent the extra money to pay for the premium parking spaces and so they park you off to the side even though they're closer uh, regular parking spaces in the morning but I cannot even complain after after having gone through that experience. I can't believe when two parks are dependent on the same tram system that they would do this. It was painful. And, and honestly, I, it would be better if, if, if there's only a couple of reasons for it. One of which is, well, at Disney World, maybe you, there isn't enough people parking. It's not that far to walk. Okay, I get that. Here, that's not the case. The other two reasons are, well, it's COVID and maybe sitting everybody together in a tram isn't... Well, well, you get to Main Street and unlike Magic Kingdom at Walt Disney World, they have the Main Street vehicles working, which is very cool. But honestly, dump those vehicles and take your labor and put them over uh, to the tram situation. In fact, honestly... Uh, that brings us to the third thing. They don't, you know, they don't have enough money or they don't have enough labor. You should drop Space Mountain or, you know, a major attraction before you drop the courtesy trams. They are, you are too dependent on them in the Disneyland Resort. So I have to tell you, that was a big, big disappointment. The next day I thought, I might try this different. And so I inquired found out that the Toy Story lot was open. Now, if you're not familiar with it, the Toy Story lot is still a good mile and a half, two miles, not mile and a half, away from the Disneyland Resort. Um, 
but they run buses. Now, why they run buses? Why, you know, why didn't they just run the trams and keep the thing? Because they're not filling up Mickey and Friends and Pixar. Why don't they just close Toy Story Lot? Well, the reason I think that's so is because those buses are ran by art. Again, Anaheim Resort Transportation. I think they've got a contract. They're required to do it or obligated to it or they've already paid for it or whatever you want to say about this. Now, what makes that interesting is this is the same art that's running the shuttle to and from the hotels. So it's not like, and you wouldn't, you wouldn't know that it was a non-Disney bus. You just, you get on the bus at Toy Story Lot. And by the way, kudos because they've made improvements to the Toy Story Lot over the last couple of years. They've kind of consolidated and created a structure that is enclosed and they've put security um, your security check over there. So in the morning, when there are a lot of guests piling up on the Harbor Boulevard entrance to the Disneyland Resort, all of those Toy Story and Friends uh, passengers can do their security check there and then they run them through a separate gate right into the promenade between Disneyland and Disney California Adventure. That was very cool. Um, now in the afternoons, they don't do that. There isn't enough traffic in the afternoons. So they just put you through the Harbor Boulevard security entrance. And I will have to say that too has been dramatically improved. The huge long tent has been identified. It's much more, um, it, it just, the whole scene had looked for since 9-11 to be haphazardly done up. And they had really gone in and done a good job. Now that all that's said and done, and by the way, I never saw in all my times here at Disney lines really backed up on security. All that said and done, this is this is the security of the old days of Walt Disney World where you're having somebody check your bag completely and then you're having to drop everything out of your pocket and walk through the uh, scanner. It's not the new scanners that they have at Walt Disney World. It's the old scanner system. So it's a little on the disappointing side there. But honestly, they're running it professionally. They're running it smoothly. And I couldn't, I couldn't make any complaint for that. So our getting through this was driving over to the Toy Story lot, getting on a bus and coming over here, which still sounds like a hassle, but it was a whole lot better than going to Mickey and Friends and walking the distance. Where am I going with all this? Here's the reality. The reality is that for those of you who are considering going to the Disneyland Resort, I strongly recommend at this time of COVID that you identify a way to stay within walking distance, that you're not dependent on buses or driving a car over. Right now, I, I went with the hotel I went with and I'll come back to that in a minute. Oh, another ship flying in here at Galaxy's Edge. I went with that hotel because it provided suites and I wanted um, separate uh, facilities for my daughter and I. So that really worked for us. Um, but there are a lot of hotel choices, including even the Disneyland Resort Hotels. Uh, they are I've saw some pretty affordable prices comparatively. And if it would just been me or if it had been me and my wife, I would have gone with the Disneyland 
uh, hotel choice. Um, the monorails seem to be missing in action, although I saw them running yes, the two days ago. They weren't running today. I'm not sure what the deal, or nor did I see them running yesterday either. So I'm not sure what the deal on that is, if it's imminent or if that's just not happening right now. But notwithstanding, even if you have to walk from the Disneyland Hotel, it's still far more reasonable. And there are a lot of hotel choices up against Harbor Boulevard. I wouldn't go any further past the um, Anaheim Convention Center. There's a great Hilton right there that always offers a really good rate. The Marriott across the street is a standard Marriott hotel, but very, very um, high-quality experience. It's a little bit of a walk for me, but I would have done that easily in this situation. Some people from that area walk actually over to the Toy Story lot, or they'll take the Toy Story bus over and then walk from that lot. They've pushed the new facility much further in, so it's not as proximate to those staying near the Toy Story lot. But, you know, Disney doesn't have a problem with guests just walking in and grabbing one of those buses. So, so, but I would recommend that you stay very close to the Disneyland Hotel, especially during this time period. Let me talk about a couple of other things. First of all, the weather. Wow, spectacular this week. Um, mid-80s during the day, um, low 70s at night. It doesn't get better than the temperatures have been. No precip- uh, precipitation, It's which unf- unfortunately California needs a lot more of. But um, it really is uh, very enjoyable. Uh, you need to make a reservation before you come to the park, but the reservations are pretty open. I didn't see any... Maybe on a weekend day, there might be a problem if you didn't plan in advance. But um, one considers the possibility of taking a park hopper. And if I ever said a park hopper was a good deal, it would be here at Disneyland because each park is across the promenade from each other. I never thought a park hopper was a really good deal at Walt Disney World because even if you took the monorail from one to the other or the Skyliner, it's still... It's still a bit of a haul, and I've never thought that to be really um, utilizing your time well in the parks to take a park hopper. Here, it's a possibility. We didn't use a park hopper. I wanted to kind of pace out my time with my daughter and not um, overwhelm that experience with her. And uh, and so we ended up doing two days at, at uh, California Adventure and two days at Disneyland. And even for someone who's done it all here, or almost all, I have to say, uh, we kept pretty busy doing it. I would not recommend less than two days at each of the parks. I think that's um, well worth doing. How about um, virtual queues? Let's talk about that because they, again, I want to talk about the parks in another podcast, the magic of the parks. I want to talk about some semantics in this podcast and issues around that. Um, in the uh, challenge, you'll know that um, we've had a virtual queue at Disney's Hollywood Studios since the beginning with Rise of the Resistance. Now, mind you, today they announced that that is going away, at least temporarily. I think they're testing the water to see if guests prefer 
not having to do the virtual queue. It's been much easier to do the virtual queue at Walt Disney World and Disneyland because you get to check your party and get that all figured out in the hour preceding that 7 a.m. And let me tell you, that has really, I, I was able to get group nine one day. I got group um, 74 another day. Uh, that Those both were for Spider-Man. And then I got group 42 for Rise of the Resistance. I missed the day on Rise of the Resistance because of some business calls I was in. And one of the things, you, if, you don't, if you do miss it, the second call is not one o'clock like at Walt Disney World. It's actually noon. So make sure you note that. Now, um, in terms of the virtual queue, the process now is so easier to get a ticket. At least it was here at the Disneyland Resort. Getting the ticket is one thing. Experiencing the attraction once you get in is another. And let me just paint the picture of what that looks like. We got nine on the first day, but when I got nine, I was sitting in the Orlando airport. I knew that I could go after the time called. Um, and that t- time became about, what, about four o'clock in the afternoon when we finally got into um, Cal- Disney's California Adventure. And we headed straight to Avengers Campus. Again, I'll review that another day, but I want to talk about this virtual ticketing issue. We got to the line, and that line went on and on and on. That line had no end. It went into a back area where we saw um, Elsa and Mickey coming and going uh, backstage. It was... It went on and on and to the degree that we were easily in that queue over an hour trying to get on the attraction. That was a painful experience. I'll have some videos shortly up that shows that queue in its entirety. You have no idea how long that queue is until you're in it. And uh, that same scene repeated itself two days later when we were back at California Adventure and... I asked when I got to the front, how long is this wait at this point? And she said it was about an hour. And I just looked, my daughter and I looked at each other. It was one o'clock in the afternoon. We were tired. And we were like, well, I'm not sure if it's worth it. That cast member, bless her heart, she created a magical moment and put me through the fast pass queue. It was miraculous. And so good. So I got to do Spider-Man twice. My review is forthcoming. Much better than I thought it'd be. Um, But I'll save that for my review of Avengers Campus. Um, But then, today we did the rise. And that rise came due at about 1040, something like that. And so we get to the rise. And there's, there's a healthy queue. But it's not unlike... So one of the things you have to remember is that Rise opened up at the studios in December, but it opened here in late January, early February, and then they shut down for COVID. And then they didn't reopen until about four or five months ago. So they have been in the business of running Rise for less than six months. Now, they should have had some benefit of the experience at Walt Disney World, 
but notwithstanding shaking out this thing. So we are in line. We are in line for about 15 minutes plus. Not a big thing. The big difference in that attraction, the attraction is identical with the exception of the queue of the caves. The caves are higher in ceiling height, which makes them a little less claustrophobic than the studio versions. And there's a lot more detailing in the rock work, suggesting a much more of a history, more of um, ancient artifacts and crypts and things of that nature. Again, subtle difference. If you haven't been on Rise a billion times, you might not notice it, but it was noticeable for me. We get almost ready to uh, be sent into the Ray um, briefing when the attraction broke down. We waited a few minutes and they just said, we have no idea when this ride's going to reopen. Although I thought somebody was saying in the background, it might be over an hour. Any rate, we finally decided we were gonna back out of there and they gave us, they, they, it was a little different here, even different than Spider-Man. They asked us to pull up our ticket on the Disneyland app, the electronic ticket, and then they scanned it and said, bring this back anytime when it's operating between now and nine o'clock this evening. The park's open at 11, but you had to bring it back by nine. And so, so we did. That was, uh, that was horrible and awesome. Horrible because when we arrived, the queue, the virtual queue to rise was beyond distinguishable. It had grown just outside the boundary of its exterior portion of the queue. It was overwhelming and easily an hour long wait. Fortunately, because we were stuck on the right earlier, they sent us into what would be the fast pass queue if they had done fast pass still. And we were literally back in front of Ray within two minutes. Um, and that was a lifesaver to be able to get to that. So what are my messages on the virtual queue? My messages are this, uh, make sure you set your alarm, get up and do it at seven. It should be real easy to do. Uh, the, the earlier the ticket, the more likely the wait will be. But understand that these attractions, and remember Spider-Man, same thing as Rise. They just barely open. They're working out the, the, the problems of these. And for some reason, I don't feel like they hold the virtual queue number if the ride goes down. It seems like they keep spitting out more virtual queues. In fact, I thought I saw very high numbers at one time, like in the upper hundreds. Uh, when I was at Spider-Man, they just keep bringing on virtual riders, bringing them on, bring them on, put them in line. And so virtual queue means you get on the ride. It does not mean you have a fast pass to that ride. It is, um, it can be extraordinarily long, especially the higher the number into the day. So that's the message there. Let me mention a few more things. First of all, uh, in my a Wayfinder Discovery on Pirates of the Caribbean, I talk about how the queue at Pirates of the Caribbean at Walt Disney World is the first indoor queue. Now, Disneyland has a couple of indoor queues, such as Rise and, and, uh, and uh, Millennium Falcon, 
But by and large, this park was not built with indoor queues. It was largely built on outdoor queues and with switchbacks, meaning you are going back and forth. And there are going to be a lot of times that Disney World is not so much about switchbacks. It still has some. But by and large, it kind of weaves the queue and through things and around things and and undercovering. At any rate, the good news is you're outdoors. And it's beautiful outdoors. The bad news is you're in a tight space. So like going to the Haunted Mansion um, holiday, it is... Uh, it is a tight weave back and forth and a big switchback queue and in a sort of design you don't get at Walt Disney World. The queue is is tight. It's not big enough for wheelchairs to go through. So you're in a tight space with people on both sides. From a COVID point of view, even though it's outside, you may be wanting to wear a mask from time to time. You have to wear a mask when you're indoors. It's optional when you're outdoors, but it's kind of funky. Uh, so... Uh, because you're in such a tighter space with a lot of other people. Uh, think think Jungle Cruise, Switchback um, at Magic Kingdom. That's a great... It's outdoors. That one's undercover, but it's outdoors, and it's a Switchback. I know when I was doing that last time, I wanted to wear a mask. Anyway, give that consideration. Mobile ordering... Well, mobile ordering isn't quite as far along, and I want to talk about this because it belongs to both parks. It's not individual to the parks. Mobile ordering isn't as far along advancement-wise, but it is available in most places. Strangely, Tropical Hideaway is not one of those places, but it is available. And I... I not only recommend you use it, I recommend you use it in advance. And I tell you this because the sooner you order, the better options you get about what you're going to eat while you go there. Let me tell you, my favorite dessert at Disneyland is this rose gold raspberry macaron. It is really delicious. It is a stunning dessert. You get on the mobile order app and you look for it, as we did the other day for lunch. It wasn't there. Oh. Okay, so we ordered a coconut mac Matterhorn macaroon, you know, the coconut thing. Um, instead, it was fine, but it wasn't the macaroon. Hey, macaroon, macaroon, I know. That's a little confusing. Anyway, long and short of it is, then I see... Uh, it's showing up in different places. I'm thinking, well, and there was also a Mickey ear version with um, kind of uh, cookies and cream in a Halloween style, ghost style. But it wasn't on the mobile ordering menu. So I inquired. I said, I see some items I want that aren't on the mobile ordering. And she goes, yeah, because we're concerned about the amount available, we don't list them on the mobile ordering. All right, so I decide what I'll do is for dinner this evening, I decided I would go in the standby to see if I could get it that way. Well, the raspberry was still sold out, although the Mickey and cream was still available. So I took a Mickey and cream, and it was okay. I sit down, and then I see somebody coming to sit down who was, sit who was standing in line behind me. And by the way, this was a 20-minute line to go standby, Instead of mobile ordering. 
and this individual's got a raspberry macaron. I'm thinking, what the heck is going on? So I entertain a conversation with this person. And she goes, yeah, actually I put my order in uh, at 10 a.m. this morning. And at that time they had macarons, raspberry macarons available. So uh, buyer beware. You may want to put your order in way early. You can always cancel the order, by the way. But you may want to put your order in early. Um, there is some dining available on the spot if you just go up. If you're interested in in uh, in a particular restaurant that is dining, uh, um, indoor dining, formal table seating, ask at the ta- at, at the door. Even though if it's not available by reservation, it still might be available. And look at the reservation. It says now. By the way, I have to also say this about mobile ordering drove me crazy. Disney has yet to learn that mobile ordering does not mean takeout. For instance, at the French market, I decided we decided we would get the clam chowder in the sourdough bowl. It's a it's a staple. Don't know why it's not there at Magic Kingdom. It's one of those things you can have at Disneyland. They serve in several locations. It's a favorite here. So I I order the mobile ordering, right? I go to pick up my mobile ordering. They hand me a shopping bag type thing. I bring it to my table. The bowl is in one bag and then the soup has been put into a bowl that you now pour. It just lost all of the sense of dining. I don't know. Now in other places like Pim Kitchen, I went to go pick up the order and the order was the way the order is. It may be the layout of that French market restaurant. But notwithstanding, there are a couple of places where mobile ordering looks more like takeout rather than um, mobile ordering. I'll talk about some of my favorite restaurants uh, when I have a chance to do a review of the parks. My favorite attractions, some of the things, great entertainment, the character greetings here. Oh my goodness! And and then and that's not even including all the Marvel character greetings. We'll have a whole thing on Avengers. Let me just end with one other little story. The place I stayed, it's a Marriott Suites. And um, I know that thing by the back of my hand because I stayed here for the better part of a year um, doing business in Los Angeles. So I knew it very well. I knew some of the people who, who worked there. I walk in and they had, there was this fountain in the center and the fountain, I guess, wasn't working so they'd put plastic leaves and greenery on it. It was so un-Marriott. I couldn't believe it. And then I find out that they're now charging $20 a day on parking. Great. And then I find out that I can't get a bus ticket to... I mean, it's just everything went downhill the moment I checked in. It was a very disappointing check-in experience they used to hand out a bottle of water and nothing offered there no housekeeping but you had to if you needed more towels or something you had to turn in a slip at the beginning of the day all these things are signs of covid right and so disappointing and i I, my thought was to just give a just to bury it in a review i was so disappointed by it the one thing that was redeeming is because of my uh, marriott status i get free buffets and it honestly had gone downhill long before covid but i showed up to this buffet with my daughter and it was really well done and the servers 
they were the servers I had back three years ago when I was staying here on a regular basis. Even though I had face mask on, one of the servers turned to me and said, you're familiar. You used to come here a lot, didn't you? And I said, yeah, I did a lot of business here. And he said, well, I'm really, really glad you're back here. And I, he said, we've only been open for a month and a half. We just barely opened. I said, really? Just a month and a half? And he goes, yeah, yeah. It's um, The good news is, is that we're all well. And the not so good is, is not so much economically. It's been tough. And as I really thought about that, I thought, you know, um, a lot of people are still feeling the brunt of this COVID. In some ways, I feel guilty going on a vacation or trip when, you know, this is, others are, are really struggling. I was glad that I got to come back here. People need to come back. The parks are not nearly as full as when they were. I don't know if they'll ever return to that because of the way they've redone their annual pass system. That's another conversation for another day. But I do encourage you, if you have the health and you have the means and you've been thinking about coming to Disneyland, you should come. You should come. I will tell you that even though I have been here hundreds of times by now over the years, from the days I was doing my internship and was here every week and the time I, my business trips, the groups I brought here doing business, uh, I've been here a lot. And I kind of thought as I was getting on the plane and paying for this car and doing all the crazy things at the hotel, why did I spend this money? I hadn't had a vacation a long time, but I live next to Walt Disney World. So why am I doing this? And yet I have to say, I am so glad I did. We have loved it. It's been a great experience for my daughter and I, which is really what it's all about. And spending time with someone you love, that's a, that's a really good reason to come to a park. So may I suggest, do it. Do it. Come. If it's Disneyland, Walt Disney World, Disney Cruise, do it. May I suggest also my friend David. Uh, you want to get some guidance. He helped me get this one ready, but uh, I could have turned to him for more guidance if I had been smarter and planned a little bit ahead. But, but do it. Get going and come visit because it is definitely worth it. Well, I got to go now. My daughter got off of Haunted Mansion Holiday for the fourth time and uh, we're meeting over at Snow White's Enchanted Wish. Oh my goodness, we're going to have to talk about both of those. And uh, so I got to go. However, I want to just say thank you for being part of this podcast. If you like what you hear, please give us a good rating over at iTunes. And also make sure you subscribe to DisneyAtWork.com and DisneyAtPlay.com so you know about these podcasts when they come. Also, make sure you check out the Wayfinder page. That's uh, our Patreon group where you get, oh, we've got lots of stuff coming from the last couple of days that are going into our Patreon group pages where we share best of Disney, whether you're a fan or whether you're looking for 
best in business practices for your organization. So be sure to check it out. Thanks for joining us. And the words of Sinbad's storybook voyage, always follow the compass of your heart. Have a great day. Bright moons. We'll see you soon. Bye.